If you're looking to build a startup, stay tuned for this session. We're going deeper into the subject of startups with Double Thunky and talking on aspects like marketing and cultivating the right mindset. Welcome to the Zista Podcast, where we invite industry professionals and academicians to answer questions that students have within a specific subject area. Joining us today is Double Thunky, a seasoned industry professional with over 18 years of experience in digital, tech, analytics, and SaaS domains. He's worked with large companies, founded his own startups, and he's currently the executive vice president at Loginext, the world's leading automation SaaS platform. Let's continue the conversation with Dhawan. Welcome back to the Zista podcast, Dhawan. And today we're going to continue the conversation that we started the last time. Uh, focusing on demystifying the startup hustle. And we're hoping to go a little deeper into aspects like marketing and the winning mindset. Sure. So um, in the context of making your startup succeed, you know, what, how, how much importance should students pay to marketing? You know, uh, they need to make sure that they adapt to the market, that, they res- that they're responsive to needs of the customer. But would you like to say, maybe tell us a little bit about... Uh, what do you see as really the role of marketing in the success of a startup? Yeah, great. Uh, again, you want to quote Peter Drucker, right? He said, marketing is business, business is marketing. Okay. <laughs> you know, so so that's interesting. But while he said that, uh, I think Philip Kotler also said that what are the four P's of marketing, right? And product, place, price, and promotion. Absolutely. And th- that legendary quote got revamped a few years later. Yes. When when people said four P's of marketing are product, 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 product. Okay. <laughs> and that's interesting because what happens is if you have a fantastic product, it'll market itself. If you really solved a problem very well, it'll market itself, right? WhatsApp never needed to market itself. Okay, WhatsApp is doing a little bit of marketing now and, you know, whatever other stuff that's happening around it. But it never needed to market itself. Instagram never needed to market itself. It just took off. Now, why did it take off? You know, why did Facebook take off? Of course, debatable. You know, there are multiple theories and you could, again, connect the dots backwards. Right. Can you, can you, can you say that, hey, you know, I know why Facebook succeeded. Because if, if you know why, why Facebook succeeded, for example, if Google knew, Google with all the resources at their disposal, right, could never build a social network. I mean, they tried Orkut, they, like it, it they, just didn't yeah, take off as yeah, expected. Absolutely. And Orkut actually was a predecessor of Facebook, right? And no one knows why Orkut shut down almost overnight and Facebook took over. I mean, there are various theories, but there is no real solid uh, reasoning that can justify why Orkut just disappeared from the face of the planet and Facebook just took off. And after Facebook took off, Google made numerous attempt attempts to that. Right. To really, there was Google Plus. There were many other things that Google kept launching. They tried multiple strategies, invite only, or you know, Gmail users automatically get access to it, and various other things. Because Google has everything you can imagine any large organization to have. They have technology talent. They have captive customers. They have monopoly in certain products that they operate, uh, certain markets they operate in with their, with their products, right? Despite all of that firepower, they could never build a social network. Why? Because what does it take to build a social network? Technologically, nothing much, right? You could throw a bunch of engineers at this problem. You create a really fancy social network. You have captive audiences. You can onboard customers, onboard users directly from Gmail, from Chrome users, etc. 
there is a lot of natural synergy out there. So logically, it's very difficult to understand why could Google not build a social network? It comes down to the product, as you're saying. It comes down to the product. It comes down to this whole aspect of luck, timing, and the unknown, like I said. You know, right. the universe figures out what works and what doesn't work, even though it sounds a little metaphysical. But it's true. We don't know what we don't know. It's really the game, right? And that's why you keep trying. So Google realizes, okay, this doesn't work. So fine, I'll try something else. And then I'll try something else. And then I'll try something else. And then something will add up. And then it'll keep going. But the game is about trying to continue to, you know, increase your shots on the goal at the cost of repeating it multiple times. But it's really, really important. Going back to your point, right, about uh, how do you define the role of marketing in, in any product journey, right? Marketing is is a very deep concept. It's really, you know, very, very deep because it, it, it really cuts across understanding the product, understanding the customer, and understanding the channels in which with which channels through which you could take the product to the customer. Correct, right? And and that is a lot of science and a lot of art, right? And that's why in today's age and time, when you have technology products, when you have fairly evolved customers, you know, today customers are very well educated, they're very aware, they're tech literate, you know, you see the internet penetration across the world, you know, with Elon Musk and Starlink satellites, you know, uh, going around out there, you know, internet for all is beginning to become a reality. There are, apparently there are villages in the deepest uh, regions of Africa where there is no electricity, like they don't have 100% electricity, but they have internet, right? So so that's that's interesting to note because interesting fact about the internet again, you know, talking about the unknown and the role the universe plays, internet is the biggest miracle of recent times. Nobody knows how it came about. We don't, Bill Gates said this again, you know, Bill Gates made the statement that the, the, the most amazing miracle of recent times is the internet. And today the world is the way it is because internet came along, right? And no one is a single inventor of internet. Of course, there are many people who've done different kinds of work in, you know, TCP, IP and, you know, making the whole story come together in, in, shape, yeah, in, in different shapes right. and forms. But there is no single inventor of the internet. Internet just happened, right? And because internet happened, we saw a paradigm shift in the way the world operates, right? And and the kind of life and businesses that we have today are only possible because there is the internet, right? So miraculously, internet changed the world, right? Similarly, if you think about marketing, marketing is a little bit about that that you know that that ability to understand the miracles, ability to to see what is not very obvious. Ability to identify ways of communicating that will really touch a chord with your end customer, right? And when we talk about TAM and market, your potential and all of that, that of course in some sense is a part of how marketing can help you leverage it, right? Like if you know that my market is 100 million people in certain geographies with a certain kind of requirement in a certain industry, etc., how do I translate that understanding of the market into a product story which is going to help me drive adoption right and there is this whole life cycle of the product there is this whole life cycle of the customer your ability to understand these life cycles understand who my early adopters are going to be who my middle majority is going to be who my uh, certain type of users going uh, are, are going to be who's who's going to play what role in in my product's evolution is something that marketing needs to needs to have a keen eye for 
And then how do I talk to these different buckets of customers? And how do I personalize my conversations with them, right? Because today, again, with the data age, you probably know more about the customer than the customer knows about himself or herself, right? Because of the data at your disposal, right? Now, how do you use that data responsibly? How do you engage with customers in a manner which resonates with them? That takes a lot of skill. It is a lot of science. It is a lot of art. It's a lot of left brain. It's a lot of right brain. And that's where, you know, marketing becomes pivotal. And if you're really good at this left brain, right brain thinking, really good at understanding the consumer as much as at understanding your product as well, then you can craft these beautiful stories that can help your customers resonate with your product. And that can help drive adoption, scale, revenue, monetization, all of that. So I think marketing is super important, but it needs to be understood really well. And sometimes what happens is because the avenues are just so many, right? Today you talk about digital marketing, you, know, you talk about content creation, you know, organic uh, search, you talk about paid search, you talk about search engine marketing, talk about social media marketing, talk about uh, outbound marketing. There are multiple channels and it's very easy to get overwhelmed by all of this. And, you know, just, just try and do everything that you can to tick all the right boxes to get to where you have to get to. But it's really about digging deeper. It's really about figuring out the fundamentals well. It's really about knowing your product super well, knowing your customer super well, and then also knowing the channel super well so that you can bring about a very uh, harmonic, you know, synchronization of all of this, the channels, the customer, and the product to then create the impact that you want to create. Because ultimately you don't have infinite marketing dollars, right? It's not about absolutely throwing money at the problem because that's not a very scalable way of doing it. Because today, if you look at it, most businesses suffer with huge customer acquisition costs. Today, a lot of businesses with great products are not able to become profitable because their customer acquisition costs are super high. Why? Because they're all throwing money at the customer acquisition problem. And everyone, every player in a given industry, let's say there are three competitors, four competitors, five competitors, they're going after the same market, right? And they're going after the same market with the same set of strategies and the same set of tools and the same set of approaches, which is why your benefits are very incremental. You would probably be doing 5% or 10% better than your next competitor in terms of how you're interacting with your customers. If you do not deploy this whole creative mindset, this whole light brain, brain, brain approach, the deeper parts of how do you do marketing right? Because otherwise, this whole customer acquisition cost that I was talking about, which is eventually you know the sum total of all the marketing expenditure that you've done in acquiring customers, will sink your boat. It, you know, marketing, in fact, sometimes becomes the difference between which product succeeds and which doesn't. Because right. sometimes the products are parity. You know, you look at travel websites, for example. You know. Booking air tickets on website A, website website B, website C, there's not much of a difference. They all have the same deals. They all have the same uh, options. You know, customers usually try and find out the cheapest option and then they go and book that. So there is not much of a difference between these products, but it's about how the product engages with you, how the product is having a conversation with you, how the product is having a relationship with you as a customer that decides where you're going to go and where you're going to make your transaction, uh, make your purchase from, right? So unless you build that that affinity in your product through marketing, you 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 may you know marketing as I said you know may become the difference between success and failure from a, a revenue standpoint. So I think marketing is super super important, and uh, while there are lots of tools and technologies and and uh, systems available to do good marketing today, it really is down to 
how fundamentally you leverage your customer understanding and your product understanding and your channel understanding to create interesting uh, creative strategies that help you cut the clutter, that help you stand out, you know, differentiate your approaches and that help you really uh, shine in the right way to, to be able to, you know, make an impact. And when I say make an impact in terms of lower customer acquisition costs, lower customer retention costs and longer customer uh, lifetime value. And if you're able to do that, then you can really, uh, you know, make all the difference uh, between a successful business versus a not so successful business. Yeah. Hearing you speak, you know, it's quite clear that you're very passionate about uh, products and marketing. And I think uh, all all successful entrepreneurs need to be totally immersed into the product or solution they're offering. And in, in case they are not able to articulate the marketing uh, approach or the, their go-to-market strategy, they can always work with specialists to help yeah. them along their journey. Yeah. You know, I wanted to kind of ask you, um, uh, bring you brings me to a really important question in terms of the mindset, right, that a future entrepreneur should have. So there are a lot of to-be entrepreneurs, future entrepreneurs that are going to be tuning into this podcast or are tuning into this podcast and they're probably wondering, what what is the winning mindset that I need to adopt? Perfect. And there's one word for it. Every successful entrepreneur, and I keep using the term successful from a revenue or a business frame of reference, uh, every successful entrepreneur has one has had one quality in common. Okay, you pick anyone, the one quality that they all have in common. These are not really the most intelligent people. These are not really the most resourceful people as well, contrary to what people would like to believe. Right? These are they 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 make things happen. You know, not necessarily always. You know that they that they have um you know like phenomenal resources at their disposal disposal. So they're not essentially the, the most intelligent or they're not essentially the most resourceful or the most well-connected, but they're really, there is this one thing which is common, which is resilience. Every entrepreneur is supremely resilient. They are immune to giving up. They're immune to giving up. They just keep at it. It's that resilience that sees them through. Of course, when I say they're not the most intelligent, of course, they are smarter, they are more intelligent than people in general. They have, they need to be a jack of all. They need to be good at so many things, right? That's important. But the one important thing is resilience. And that's what discriminates a, a successful entrepreneur from a not so successful entrepreneur. I've seen this, like I was, I was saying earlier as well, so really smart guys who would be on a point to give up. They're like, oh, this isn't working. Yeah, I, I go back to doing what I was doing. Whatever. And that's nothing right or wrong about it. But if you're not resilient, because entrepreneurship is hard. Let's let's sure. every entrepreneur has a really, really tough life. Every one of them. It's not easy. You know, even if you ask, you know, the so called the most successful entrepreneur of our time, Elon Musk, right? Somebody asks Elon Musk, what is it to be Elon Musk? You know, a lot of people want to be Elon. He says, If I have a chance, I don't want to be Elon Musk. Well, that's a big thing, right? And he is super involved. He's probably changing the world, you know, building some of the game-changing industries. He revolutionized space exploration with SpaceX. He revolutionized uh, the whole energy game with Tesla, right? Electric vehicles. And he's doing so many interesting things in, in the solar uh, dimension. In, in, in Hyperloop. In Hyperloop communications yeah. with Twitter and X and all of that in uh, transportation and various other industries. And, and he's, he's, he's making fundamental changes, right? This guy... He is supremely relentless. 
He's resilient. He doesn't take no for an answer. Even at some point, you know, this might come across as, you know, a, a level of eccentricity. And, and, and so be it, right? I mean, he doesn't, he, he just wants to make things happen, you know? And he challenges assumptions. He challenges established paradigms. And people who have the resilience to not accept status quo, to challenge the limits, to challenge the assumptions, they are the ones who make things happen. Because if you, if you respect the limits, if you respect the assumptions, you will only be playing an incremental game. You'll only be 10% better than your next competitor or somebody else in the market. Like Henry Ford couldn't have invented a car. He could have made a better bullock cart if he wasn't resilient and persistent enough. You've got to challenge the known assumptions. Then you create new value, right? And that's the thing that is the key to entrepreneurship. So anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur, remember, it's going to be tough. The whole coolness of being a CEO in wear off, like I said earlier, two months, three months, four months down the line, oh, it's great to be, you know, the startup CEO and then you're out there. It's great. But the, the grind of it is unparalleled. Okay, is unparalleled. And the moment you develop a taste for that grind, the moment you develop a taste for being an entrepreneur, then it's a calling. It's really a calling. And then you endure every challenge that comes your way and you become successful. And when you say become successful, most of these entrepreneurs, it's no longer about moving around in a, in a Lamborghini or going and playing golf with the mayor and having tea with the president. It's not about that. It's about doing what you love every single day of your life. When Elon Musk, again quoting Elon Musk because uh, he's popular and people relate to him, when he became the world's richest person, so to speak, you know, and it, this is again a very documented fact, you know, somebody went up to him and said, hey, Elon, you're the world's richest person. How does it feel? He was absolutely dismissive and casual about it. He was like, yeah, great. Now let's get back to work. Okay. And that's what it is. He doesn't look at himself as the world's richest person. He looks at himself as someone who gets to do what he enjoys doing. And he has the resilience to continue to wake up every day and go out there and do some solid damage in something that he is, in something that he is truly passionate about and something that he truly believes in, right? And that's the name of the game. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you don't want to be an entrepreneur for the sake of being an entrepreneur. You want to be an entrepreneur because you know you have to do it. Deep inside you, you know this is what I want to do. Because that conviction translates into resilience. That resilience translates into persistence. That persistence translates into growth. That growth eventually translates into what the world calls success. But it's a, the end game is about enjoying what you do every single day for days, months, years, decades, centuries, eons, right? And that's what it is to be an entrepreneur. So if you're really passionate about something, you know I can throw my full weight behind it. I can make this work. Do not let that conviction go away. Translate that into an entrepreneurial journey. Go for it. Nothing to lose, right? In today's Asian time, there's nothing to lose. You give it a shot, give it your all. If it doesn't work, you can always go back there and get a job, right? The market is open, which is what ties back in what I said earlier. It's a hugely democratic market out there. If you're good enough, you have the right skill sets, you have the right mindset, you will succeed in whatever, like I said, whatever form factor you choose for your success. It's okay. Nothing to lose. Again, as opposed to what was the case maybe 100 years back. It wasn't easy to be an entrepreneur 50 years back, right? You can't start up oil and gas company like that. You can't start a manufacturing setup just like that. There are a lot of entry barriers, you know, capital expenditure. It's not easy to start a business. But today, you need a laptop and internet connection and a mobile phone and you're good to start whatever you want to start.
So if you're really passionate about it, give it a shot. I would encourage people to go entrepreneurial if they truly believe in something and make it happen. There are more chances that you will succeed than you will fail if you are persistent enough. And even if you quote unquote fail, you you learn from it. You, your skill sets are far better now to take on any other opportunity that you want to take on because you you went through the grind, you took the challenge and you, you came out on top in some sense in whatever way you look at it. And here's where I want to also quote uh, Masayoshi Son, right? Who is the founder of SoftBank, one of the uh, celebrated venture uh, funds in recent times. SoftBank is one of the leading, you know, world's leading uh, venture capital firm. And they have this uh, vision fund that they're coming up with, which is a $100 billion fund, $100 billion fund, right? And obviously, Masayoshi San is a legend in the investing community, and he's known for his successful investments in Alibaba and many other uh, sure. big, uh, you know, uh, ginormous companies that we see today. And uh, he, he, he is an interesting, uh, you know, a video on YouTube where he mentions this very interesting thing. He said, when he went to the US to do his MBA and all of that, he said, I want to really think of a great idea that I can convert into a, a business. And how did he go about it? You know, just to, yeah, it's an interesting uh, anecdotal uh, reference where he said, every day I would dedicate five minutes, only five minutes, okay? Every day I would dedicate five minutes of your time thinking about an idea. Okay. So he said, I put the watch on a timer and I put it on for five minutes. And he said initially, I was like, okay, idea, idea. I mean, I'm not getting an idea. Let's think of an idea. You literally force yourself to think of an idea. And it sounds very uh, yeah. funny in a way, but that's how he hit on this one idea back in the day, which is an idea of an electronic dictionary. So he actually apparently is the inventor of the world's first electronic dictionary. Okay. He built that product and he sold it to Shark Corporation in Japan okay. for $1.5 million back in the day when he was in his um, MBA school. So sometimes, you know, you don't even have an idea. You just have a passion that I'm going to build something, but I don't know what I'm going to build. I don't even know what the market is. I don't know anything, but I know one thing for sure that I want to create something. That passion can translate into a product. You literally give birth to a product which did not exist. Not because he did some market analysis or he figured out product market fit or he did the TAM analysis. He just wanted to build something fantastic. He just wanted to invent something. And just by aligning that thought with that passion and dedicating five minutes, just five minutes every day to come up with an idea and he could come up with an idea, he could build it, he could execute it. But again, cannot understate the importance of execution. I could come up with an electronic dictionary as an idea, but I need to execute it. I need to build it. And again, I think you mentioned this earlier, where if I don't know how to build it, today there are enough resources out there in the market where I can get it built. I can still own the idea and I can use resources in the market uh, and even collaborate with people if I need to, but I can, I can build it, right? And only when I build it, it becomes real. As long as it's an idea, it is anybody's play. But the moment you convert that idea, into a concept, into a actual product, only then it becomes real. And then you can monetize it and do various other things. And again, quoting Philip Kotler there, customers don't buy product ideas. They buy product concepts. And that's true for entrepreneurs as well. You, you can't build a business on an idea. You can build a business on a concept and you have to convert your idea into a concept and then that concept into a product and the product into a business, you know, by executing relentlessly with. So yeah, that's what I would want to say.
Thank you, Daval. I think, you know, your talk is going to be hugely inspirational to a lot of students out there because you very systematically laid out the building blocks. And uh, it actually reminds me of a, a track by this artist called Seal, where he says something like, we're never going to survive unless we get a little crazy. And, you know, this is a, 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 a thing. Go out there, be crazy, act on your idea, build out your product and success will follow. Just be persistent focus on execution, and act on a lot of the good points that Double said. Yeah, and I would again, uh, can't resist quoting Steve Jobs again on this one, right? When he says that you have to be crazy enough to know that you can change something. Only then you can write in something. Right, right? I remember so what? I think different campaign, right? It's only the ones who think they can change the world actually are the ones that, that, that can, do, that yeah. will do that, right? Yeah. And then this very legendary quote, right? Stay hungry, stay foolish. You know, we don't know enough. Stay foolish. Celebrate foolishness. What it does is it inspires you to keep getting better. If you know, if you think you know enough, you won't grow. Nobody knows enough. And that's really the beauty. The more you know, the more you will realize that you don't know enough. And that's the beauty of it. Staying rooted in this idea that you don't know enough. All you know is, I have the passion, I have the, 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 the inspiration, and I have the mindset to go after what I truly believe in, you just have to keep invested, keep staying invested in that process, and everything else eventually falls into place. So, yeah, on that note. All right. Thank you once again for making time and coming here. Thanks, Ahmed. It's been a yeah. pleasure talking to you. It's great talking to you guys as well. Thank you. All right. The art and science of marketing. Wow. There's so much that we've learned from this session. And more importantly, having the right mindset can really set you up for success. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, do subscribe to our channel on YouTube to get notifications for new episodes as and when they are released. Follow us on podcast platforms like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Our handle is the Zista Podcast. Till we meet again, we'd say, stay curious. Stay curious.